This episode of Dana Being Dana is brought to you in part by Marabella, Kincaid, Frederick, and Marabella. Hello and welcome to Dana Being Dana. That's me and I'm thrilled you're with us. My show is about all different aspects of the human connection, things that bring us together and living life intentionally. According to Family Shelter Service, Metropolitan Family Services DuPage, last year there were over 6,000 incidents of domestic violence reported by the police, which amounts to over 500 per month. And these are only the incidents that involve police. What about all of the women and men who are unable to get help or are too afraid to do so? Domestic violence cases are tough to prosecute because the parties involved often live together or otherwise share lives. So how do we reach those people? Joining me today are DuPage County State's Attorney Robert Berlin, DuPage County Circuit Judge Ann Celine Walsh, and Norma Peterson, Executive Director of Document the Abuse and the sister-in-law of missing Bolingbrook mother, Stacy Peterson. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, in 2022, we did an episode called Document the Abuse. The two of you were on there with me discussing the evidentiary abuse affidavit, a way for survivors to document abuse and utilize it in court. What has happened since then in the space of domestic violence? So since we've done your show with Bob and I, having met through your show and him learning about the evidentiary abuse affidavit, we were able to then figure out that it was a resource that DuPage could use. So in, in addressing some of their DV calls, domestic violence calls that they have, it gave us uh, another resource because they were putting together some things to, uh, in their council. So now what it did was it offered me a way to be a resource for them. So there's a lot of things that have gone on in terms of us being able to put another resource out there thanks to being on Dana being Dana and our relationship and him and Bob reaching out to me and then introducing me to Judge Walsh here. So it was, I'd say it's been a very uh, monumental year as far as getting the awareness out for the EAA. That's great. Now, what council are you talking about? I was recently asked to be on the DuPage Family Violence Coordinating Council, which helps victims in DuPage and offers them a multitude of resources, of which the evidentiary abuse affidavit is now one of them. That's awesome. Judge Walsh, can you tell us about the council and its mission? Sure. I'm, I'm very proud of it. I serve as the chairperson for the Family Violence Coordinating Council for the 18th Judicial Circuit here in DuPage County. And um, so through the chief judge's office, there is a grant that's provided by the state. That particular grant um, brings together a chairperson, that's myself, and a coordinator um, to collaborate with all kinds of organizations, law enforcement agencies, and the courts in order to better the system's response to domestic violence, and specifically in DuPage County. So I chair the particular, um, this council, and when we bring the collaborative effort of all of the agencies and organizations together, um, which include, like I said, the vi uh, victim family services, uh, or victim uh, services, law enforcement, you have emergency uh, EMTs, and we have nurses involved, um, we have probation and the courts, um, among some other teen crisis organizations, um, adult protective services, all these different organizations have come together and we work together to provide training um, as well as putting together resources for um, victims throughout the entire county. Uh, and 
what has come of it. And we invited, when I met Norma um, through Bob, it was fantastic because we were able to um, meet. And then I invited Norma to be on the council because that was just, she provided another fantastic resource and the ability for um, domestic violence survivors to utilize the evidentiary abuse affidavit um, and her organization, um, in addition to the other services and resources that the Family Violence Coordinating Council provides. That's fantastic. Can you briefly remind us of what the evidentiary abuse affidavit does? So what the evidentiary abuse affidavit does is it empowers victims to be able to own their stories, really is what it is. We're giving victims of any type of violence. So regardless of, you know, in terms of criminal, in terms of uh, sexual assault, you know, the, in any format that you are afraid in a relationship, there is a way then to talk about it and put it in, put in all your evidence, put in anything that may be helpful to help corroborate, validate uh, what you're saying. And it's at no cost to the victim. So it's a good way to get prosecutors a way to find out what a victim's going through. But more importantly, what we're doing is we're empowering victims to discuss what's going on with them so that they can use that to their advantage when navigating other environments such as Bob's. And Bob, why is that so important? It's important because if something were to happen to the victim and there comes a need where we want to use their testimony, what they said or what they wrote down, it's hearsay, but there's an exception to the hearsay rule if the offender is the person that caused the victim not to be present. But that's the reason the victim can't testify is because of the offender. Under common law, going back to the 1800s, we're allowed to get that evidence in. And it's critical, and it's happened in other cases that have been affirmed by the Supreme Court uh, to use that kind of testimony. That's why it's so important to have everything documented. And that's one thing that's part of what's going on with the council. There's a new initiative coming out, yes. um, and it's coming out in a big way, which I think is fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit more, Judge Walsh, about what you're doing with the council and the new initiative? Sure. Um, so one of our goals is to provide training and resources to um, survivors of domestic violence, and that's what we collaborate to do. We also do that for um, advocates who, who um, I need further training and that kind of thing. But we have come up with a fantastic um, idea and it's really taking off. It is a means of getting resources safely and efficiently into the victim's hands by way of a QR code. So the QR code, I know you have it displayed over here, um, is, a, is a tool and we're all familiar now, I think um, kind of post COVID of using the QR codes, um, they're everywhere. And the QR code provides a myriad of resources. Now we are starting a public QR code initiative, um, especially in honor of Domestic Violence Awareness Month um, this upcoming October. So the council is now focused on launching the public, we're calling it the public QR code. Um, back in March, we, the law enforcement, and I think um, uh, State's Attorney Berlin is gonna explain a little bit more about that, but the, the law enforcement end of it um, was launched uh, back in March. Um, and since, since, that, what, since that time, we've had over 1,500 um, visits to the website. So basically, the QR code brings you to the website. The website's on their county website. And through that website, you're able to um, obtain a number of different uh, answers to questions, resources, um, 
Uh, and it is, it is a comprehensive way of providing a safe and effective means of getting resources to victims in a very efficient manner. That's fantastic. That's incredible. Congratulations. No, on... it's a very exciting. It's been a very much a collaborative effort. There's a great team. I can't name everybody, but I'm very thankful for the team, including Norma. Um, and um, State Australian Berlin has some of um, his deputy chiefs working on it um, with us as well. So it is a collaborative effort with a number of agencies and organizations, and it could not have been possible without all of their effort and also um, the 18th Judicial Circuit, my chief judge, um, you know, allowing the initiative to go through because we have to use county resources in order to make it happen. Yeah. But it's all come to fruition, and we're very excited about it. That's great. That's fantastic. How does this help? What is the old way of, of doing this um, and getting this information to victims, and how can, um, how can this help going forward? So the old way was the police would actually give the victims a piece of paper, a sheet of paper that had all the resources on there with phone numbers. And what we found is that victims would lose that sheet of paper, they'd misplace it, or worse, the perpetrator would find it, uh, and there could be repercussions for the victim. So you're talking about during the high-stress time of a police visit, a domestic call, there's a lot of things going on, there could be an unrest involved, things like that, and they're tasked with holding on to this piece of paper. Exactly, because in many instances, if the perpetrator lives in the same home after 72 hours, they're coming back home. Right. And they can find that piece of paper, uh, and it could ma actually make matters worse. Mm -hmm. So the QR code allows it, um, the victim to put it on their phone mm -hmm. and to store it in a safe manner. And what it does is it takes you to an alternative website. So if the perpetrator were to pick up the victim's phone and look at it, it's going to be an alternative website, which may not mean anything to the perpetrator, but the victim knows how to navigate through that site to get the information and get all those phone numbers and resources. And it could be stored for later. I think that that's one of the most, that's something different than having those sheets, right? It can be stored in their phone because we often know in those heightened times that you've talked about, oftentimes that's not when a survivor or victim wants to look up that resource. It's not the ideal time. And it might be, you know, a week, two weeks, even a year later. And that that phone can make, you know, keep that keep that website and, and also hidden in, in the way that um, State Train Berlin has has described. So it's it's a, it's it's such an innovative change that's very simple through a QR code. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And almost everybody has cell phones, despite socioeconomics. So one question I had was, do socioeconomics play? A role in domestic violence? Are you seeing more um, among amongst a particular class? I think what we've seen is a huge increase in mental health problems, yes. people with mental health issues, and they're not getting the services and the treatment that they need. That oftentimes leads to domestic violence. We saw an increase with COVID. Uh, now, there were not as many calls to the police during COVID because I think People, People were at afraid, home. and they yeah. were at home. Uh, but since we've come out of COVID, there's no question we're seeing a much greater incidence of calls to the police. But I really believe more than economics, and that economics does have an impact on it, it's mental health. Yeah. And yeah. We, we've just seen a huge increase in people in every part of the community, every economic sector, uh -huh. every socioeconomic sector with mental health crises. And once again, why is it so tough to prosecute in the domestic violence space? Because in, in many of these instances, 
The victim calls the police. They're very upset. They want to prosecute. But the very next day or a week or two later, um, they realize they still love the perpetrator. They don't want the perpetrator to go to jail. And they're afraid to come to court. That's where the EAA, well, the evidentiary abuse affidavit kind of will hopefully change that mindset of that person that as they start to tell their story in a format that gives them the ability to then see what it is that they're going through on a daily basis. So on those good days when they go back and they look and they're like, okay, maybe this isn't as good as I think it is. Now what we're doing is we're triggering a way for them to maybe take that forward instead of letting it go by. Or maybe what we're doing is empowering them to decide that they're going to go after some more of these resources and things like that. But that's where some of that does play in by empowering them to tell their stories. Maybe what we get is them to go forward more times yeah. in the prosecution stage. We're going to talk about some of those resources. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on Dana Being Dana. Don't go away. Experience all the fun and magic of being part of a television show audience. Join NBC5's Stefan Holt as host of NCTV 17's The Morning Show, Thursday, November 16th at 7.30 at the new Matrix Club on Route 59. Hear stories that heavily impact our own community, plus raffles, a game show bit, and more excitement. So rise and shine with NCTV 17's The Morning Show. In serving Illinois for seven decades, Mirabella, Kincaid, Frederick, and Mirabella has earned its reputation as an experienced and skilled law firm that puts its clients first. We provide trusted counsel and tireless dedication to achieve favorable outcomes and reduce the stress and costs that often come with complicated legal matters. Our adept attorneys represent clients in divorce, family law, sexual harassment, employment discrimination, school law, civil litigation, and criminal defense. While we handle high-profile cases, every client who walks through our door can expect the same diligent care and attention to detail. MKFM Law has served counties including DuPage, Kane, Will, and Kendall since 1949. That longevity is only possible with the elite level of commitment we show our clients every day call or visit us online for a free consultation. Welcome back to Dana Being Dana, where I'm joined again by Bob Berlin, Heather Jamison from Family Shelter Service, and Deputy Chief Jason Brozak from the Naperville Police Department. Thank you all for joining me. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about these domestic violence calls. What is the police protocol? I think that process really starts uh, with the first contact with the victim and really gaining that rapport and gaining her trust or his trust uh, to give us an honest and open uh, statement about what occurred. Uh, while we're on scene, we're uh, obviously identifying any other victims uh, and other parties involved and making sure we interview them and get clear statements, um, evaluating the scene, um, determining whether an arrest needs to be made. Uh, we're blessed in Naperville to have a mobile crisis unit out on the street and we tend to have them respond if they're available, uh, which provides a clinician to either provide services or referral information right away on the scene to the victim. Uh, if they're not available, then it falls on the officer to provide this QR code that we're talking about here today to the victims and making sure that uh, 
they're they're followed up with afterwards. Uh, we we like I said, we have these four clinicians. One of them is a domestic violence advocate who whose responsibility is mainly to follow up with victims of domestic violence when, in the days after an incident, and making sure they have any questions with referrals or resources, uh, court proceedings, anything like that 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 falls on her and uh, and our staff as well. And those days are critical right after an Very. incident. Can you talk a little bit more, Bob, about about those the importance of those days? Absolutely. Um, in, in the cases where there's an actual arrest, there's going to be a 72-hour stay away. Uh, but one of the, the uh, things the public needs to know is under the new Safety Act that is now in, in use for the last two days, domestic battery, even though it's a Class A misdemeanor, is a detainable offense. That was never the case until the Safety Act went into place. So the state's attorney has to file a petition, and we are filing petitions in domestic battery cases because the most important thing is to protect the victim. And especially in those first 72 hours, it's a very volatile situation. We want to do everything we can to make sure the victims are protected. And so far in the first two days of use, judges have been detaining some of the defendants in these domestic battery cases. So they're being held for 72 hours? They're being held until a judge determines that they're no longer either a threat to the victim or a threat to the community. Wow, so that's very important because that enables a victim to engage services. Correct. Can you tell us a little bit more about the services that are offered at the QR code? Yes, so when someone utilizes the QR code, it takes them to a landing page where they can find a variety of resources. And there are some questions that prompt them to help them navigate exactly what they're looking for. Because when somebody is in crisis, they often really don't even know what they're looking for and what's available to them. So, for example, there's questions that ask, are you experiencing domestic violence? Do you need to talk to someone confidentially? Do you need emotional support, a safe place to stay, emergency shelter, help with an order of protection? And then it provides a link to Family Shelter's website and our hotline number. It also asks, are you a victim of sexual assault? And then provides information about the YWCA and how those advocates can assist those victims. It asks, are you a victim of a crime? And provides links to the state's attorney's office. If you are experiencing elder abuse, if you're aged 60 years or older, or an adult aged 18 to 59 and have um, a disability, adult protective services may be able to assist you. It provides links to um, safely document the abuse um, to the to file to fill out the evidentiary abuse affidavit. It also provides services if there is a juvenile in crisis or maybe perpetrating abuse towards a parent or another individual in the household. Ways that they can reach youth services throughout the county, Youth 360, um, Northeast DuPage services, things like that. So there are a variety of resources that they can access. And what's the relationship between the agency and the police protocol with respect to reporting domestic violence cases? Yes. Yeah, so like you previously mentioned in the earlier segment, there is part of the DuPage County Domestic Violence Protocol, which lays out all of the responsibilities of those individuals and agencies who are tasked with assisting survivors of domestic violence. It explains the role of law enforcement, the state's attorney, and victim advocates. And part of that protocol requires that any time an officer in DuPage County goes out on a domestic violence call, that they report a summary of that incident to Family Shelter Service. 
So our hotline workers then take that information, enter it into our victim advocacy database, and then my team and I go through every day and we read through those reports, and then we do outreach to those individuals that are listed as victims. Whether so, there's an arrest or not. Whether there's an arrest or not, if okay. it's verbal, anything. And then we attempt to contact those individuals um, by telephone, and if we don't reach them by phone, we do send out a letter. And what we have incorporated within the last year is we've been putting that Q, the public QR code on our letters. So if for some reason the police aren't able to provide that QR code on the scene, for whatever reason, maybe if the victim is not wanting receptive to taking that code, hopefully this will be a second opportunity for them to get that letter in the mail from us that has that public QR code on yes. it so they can safely access those resources. And like you mentioned, with those over 6,100 calls reported to us in our last fiscal year, that's over 500 a month. So you can imagine that if these officers are on the scene giving out these cards, we have the potential to reach thousands and thousands of individuals safely getting them that information in the most effective way possible. Wow. What kind of special training do first responders have um, in these types of cases? Yeah, domestic violence training starts in the academy and then continues through the FTO program. Um, and then just your normal type trainings uh, kind of correlate with domestic violence calls, uh, whether it's report writing or interview interrogation, uh, CIT de-escalation training. Um, but then we go above and beyond to kind of, uh, we get the family shelter to come in and do roll call presentations for us. Our uh, on-staff clinicians do in-service training for all of our officers. Um, and they touch on domestic violence, especially in our last um, in-service session, they touched on domestic violence involving elderly and at-risk populations. And then uh, we also dealt with enforcing and obtaining orders of protection. Great, thank you. Some of the services that you provide um, are court services, supportive services, um, the 24-hour crisis hotline. Yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about some of those? Yes, things? absolutely. So family shelter service, first of all, all of our services are free and confidential, and we have four primary areas of, areas of services. So we have our 24-hour domestic violence crisis services, which includes our 24-hour hotline and our inclusive emergency shelter. And in our last fiscal year, FY23, we provided um, seven, over 7,600 nights of shelter to adults wow. and their children. Wow. And our hotline received over 7,100 calls. Then we have our domestic violence supportive services where we provide individual and support group counseling to adults and children. And we have our community outreach and education services where community advocates actually go out and do just that in the community and provide training and presentations to community members. And our advocates last year reached over 1,700 community members through their presentations. Right. And our prevention educators go out into the schools and they provide um, training to, or presentations to students. And then last but not least, we have our domestic violence court services, which I oversee, where we assist individuals in filing orders of protection. We accompany them to court and help them navigate the court process, which can be very overwhelming and intimidating. I think the whole process can be overwhelming. <laughs> um, what's the first step? What do you recommend for people to engage um, and get the help and services that they need? The first step, I think, is, is getting that QR code out there, getting resources to individuals, and having them start with calling the Family Shelter Hotline. Um, like I said, all of our services are free and confidential. If somebody discloses abuse, it's, it's a big step for them to acknowledge that and to admit that. And yeah. so the best thing that anybody can do is just to listen and validate them, let them know that they aren't alone and they're not the only one experiencing 
this. Don't it, be judgmental and, and provide resources. That's the best thing. Is it just for people who are experiencing abuse or can other people who know of someone, who love someone, who they know yes, is being harmed? Because they're going to be individuals that you talked about previously that don't ever call the police. And so they would not be provided with this QR code that the police are distributing. So we're very excited about this next initiative and in rolling out the public QR codes and placing it all throughout the county. So if you aren't the one that has experienced it, but maybe you have a friend or a family member, you can you know, take that QR code and pass it along to yeah. somebody to gain those re very important resources. If you see something, say something. Yes. And we're gonna talk about the future of the QR code and all the other things that we're looking forward to in DuPage County and beyond. We're gonna take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. In serving Illinois for seven decades, Mirabella, Kincaid, Frederick, and Mirabella has earned its reputation as an experienced and skilled law firm that puts its clients first. We provide trusted counsel and tireless dedication to achieve favorable outcomes and reduce the stress and costs that often come with complicated legal matters. Our adept attorneys represent clients in divorce, family law, sexual harassment, employment discrimination, school law, civil litigation, and criminal defense. While we handle high-profile cases, every client who walks through our door can expect the same diligent care and attention to detail. MKFM Law has served counties including DuPage, Kane, Will, and Kendall since 1949. That longevity is only possible with the elite level of commitment we show our clients every day. Call or visit us online for a free consultation. Stay in the know, at home, or on the go with NCTV 17 News Update. This quick recap of everything happening in and around town will be delivered straight to your email inbox for free. Sign up today. Welcome back, where we are talking about domestic violence and all the innovative ways we are assisting survivors. Tell us more about the future of the QR code. Well, we've developed uh, a strategic plan uh, recently that we're launching in October in uh, honor of Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And the goal is to provide a public QR code that is accessible to organizations, agencies throughout the entire county, both public and private, um, that survivors or domestic violence victims can actually um, utilize or use in those place in those spaces. So we're talking about libraries, um, hospitals, uh, uh, churches, schools, the universities. That particular QR code in that um, poster right there. Um, hopefully, that will be seen throughout the entire county. And just to give you one idea, Dana, of um, how effective this um, has been and how excited we are. Um, about the QR code and it reaching domestic violence victims and hopefully saving lives, which is ultimately the goal, yeah. is that um, one of our uh, board or one of our committee members um, is a, uh, a nurse uh, with Edward Hospital. She's a specific, she's a sexual assault nurse examiner. Um, she has um, started an initiative at their hospital through their board of providing um, the QR code on discharge papers for uh, patients who present with uh, a history of abuse. Wow. So if they're presenting in the, in the ER with potential symptoms of abuse, um, whether they're physical, sexual, 
um, in nature than that particular QR code, they're giving, giving that QR code to those particular patients. We want to see that system-wide in, um, in the medical, in, in all the different hospitals. So that just gives you an example of what we're trying to do and how we're trying to reach in all the different areas um, where either family members or victims themselves can access the QR code that then launches them onto that landing page that will provide them resources that will hopefully change their life. That is huge. That is huge. Norma, you have family members who could have benefited from this QR code. Can you talk more about the importance of it um, and, and as it's relative to those you know? Listening to Anseline, Judge Anseline talk about this, you know, and, and listening to it over and over again, thinking if only Kathleen or Stacy would have had this, you know, if, especially if Kathleen would have had this, might Stacy still be here? Right. You know, so it literally, when you say it can save a life, it can change an outcome, it can. And where we can't change that outcome, at least we can prosecute those that are accountable. And it gives us a much better way to do that. And to think that, you know, that, that literally it can be a lifesaver. You know, and even now, just starting on this QR code, we've seen increased traffic on document abuse which means that through the QR code initiative, we are starting to see an uptick in our traffic also. And we're seeing more EAAs being filled out. So I don't want anybody to ever hesitate to fill one of these out. It is available for you. It is a free resource. It's a way to empower you to take your story and to make a difference with it. What's the website? It is documentabuse.org, or you can look up evidentiary abuse affidavit. So why is this so important to you, and what advice do you have for those watching? It's important because domestic violence affects the entire community. It's not just the victim. Everyone is victimized by domestic violence. And we have to do everything we can to stop the cycle of violence and empower survivors so that they can move forward and move on with their lives. And we want to hold the people who commit acts of domestic violence accountable. And in this county, it's a top priority, it always has been, and we lead the way in the state of Illinois in our response to domestic violence. And it just makes such a difference in the community. That's why it's so important. And I think ultimately our goal would be to share this QR code, um, the concept, um, and have other councils and other counties throughout the entire state and nation uh, provide these kinds of resources um, that are locally based, but provide also, you know, maybe some statewide based resources, but locally based so that they can help victims in their own communities. I think that's so important to get it out there, to get it out there to as many people as possible, both people who are experiencing abuse, those who know people who are experiencing abuse, um, to, to just help in all the ways that we can. Rich or poor, domestic abuse, whether physical or emotional, impacts us all. So many scars from abuse are invisible to most, which makes the information and availability of support and services critical. Knowledge is power and this kind of information is priceless. Please share this info because you never know who may need it one day, including you. Thank you to my guests for joining me for this very important discussion. Special thanks to our incredible sponsor, Mirabella Kincaid, Frederick and Mirabella. Hopefully you have been entertained if not encouraged or inspired. I do not promise to be an expert, nor do I have all the answers. I'm just Dana being Dana. See you next time.
This episode of Dana Being Dana is brought to you in part by Marabella Kincaid Frederick and Marabella. 